right, good morning, everyone. I love it that you're so sociable and energetic. Thank you, my man. Let's all stand up to our feet. If you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Mike, and normally I have two hands. This week I had surgery. Um, I had something called Dupuytren's contracture. All right, don't Google it. Some disgusting pictures. Uh, but you develop nodes on your ligaments and it starts pulling your hand down uh, like this. And so they've been delaying it because they kept telling me I'm too young for the surgery. Uh, but my body doesn't feel that young. Come on, somebody. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So I got the surgery. So now I'm going to be talking like this all morning. Uh, but thank you for being the church. Can you give yourself a round of applause? Thank you for being the church. You know what? You're right. I can't clap for you, but I could do this. Well, wow, some of you are going to try to do that for lunch. That's all I have. That's all I got. I don't have much. That's all I have. Um, which is funny because that is the title of today's sermon. Some of you are asking me to smack my head. Not happening. <laughs> today's sermon is titled, Well, I Don't Have Much. I Don't Have Much. And we've been in this series called Excuses, Removing the Limitations in Our Lives and and let's go together to, to Mark chapter 12, uh, starting at verse 41. And I love this story. It's a story about a woman who gave everything she had. And watch this. He says, he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Let me stop right there. Ever since the beginning of Fervent Church, we, we never passed, if you've ever been to church, they usually pass around what they call an offering plate. And uh, if, and I grew up in a Pentecostal church, so sometimes we got desperate and we passed around an offering bucket. Come on, somebody, right? And, uh, and I love this because the Bible, listen, what I'm just, it's descriptive, not prescriptive. The Bible's not telling us that this is the way we should do it. But ever since the beginning of Fervent, we always just had a conviction of like, your giving is between you and God. And so that's why we have the boxes in the back. And so we kind of see it here. But again, no shade. I'm not throwing shade or, or speaking negatively on churches that pass around an offering plate or a bucket or a basket or whatever. Um, I, I, no shade at all. But, but here we see that they gave into the offering box. And so watch this. It says, many rich people put in large sums. But then watch this. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny. Two coins that make a penny. They, this thing was worth, one, one of these coins was just worth half a penny. And she put it in the offering box. And this caught Jesus, caught Jesus' attention. And he says this, and he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more. Everybody say more. Has put it in more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. She gave out of her poverty everything she had. She did not have the excuse that she didn't have much in order to extend her worship to her father. She didn't have that excuse. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So loud and proud, Fervent Church, all together say, I'm here. I'm ready. Draw me closer. Make me better. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. You may be seated and give a hand to Bart, making me sound holier than I am. Let's play a game. We're going to play a, 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 an opposite drinking game, which is weird. But every time I take a drink, y'all need to clap and make some noise. Can you do that? We're going to time that out pretty well. <laughs> We're in the series called Excuses, Removing the limitations in our lives. Well, we, we wanted to work off the same glossary and dictionary. And what is an excuse? An excuse is a, it's, it's a framework we use to lessen the blame, responsibility, or ownership of a fault. And the major question that we've been pushing throughout this whole entire series is this, is that is this excuse a good enough reason for us not to do the will of the Father? We said things like, well, you know, this is just the way I am right? Or that's not me. We use other excuses that have limited us. And, and, and what I've been trying to get you to understand and try to get you to, under, to, to see in your life is there are sometimes we have what I would like to call a limiting mindset. And limiting mindsets are basically truths, truths with a lowercase t, because I believe that the capital T is truth we find in scripture. Can I get an amen? amen. But sometimes we run into these facts and, and they could be true. Again, lowercase t, but yet they're still limiting mindsets in our lives. They limit you. They might be true, but they still add limits to your life, right? Here's a couple of mine. I'm going to be vulnerable. Uh, uh, for me personally, I don't consider myself what some people would call a book smart person, all right? I'm, I'm, I'm not book smart. I'm more street smart. I'm more people smart. But at times, if I hold on to that too hard, I could sit there and I could walk into a room and I can feel insecure because I'm not the smartest person in the room. It's a limiting mindset. And the truth is, no, I don't have a doctorate. I don't have degree upon degree. I, and I told you last week, if I'm really honest, I don't like reading. I listen to audiobooks and I force myself. It's the discipline of reading, but I don't personally like it yet. I don't allow that to be an excuse to limit my growth, right? That's a limiting Mindset. Another limiting mindset that I have is that I'm not rich. I'm not balling. Where my ball is at? I'm not. I'm not rich. I, I didn't come from from a long line of people who had money, and so sometimes I feel like that's limiting, and I and I can't bless people the way I want to bless people. And before you start judging me right now, I'm like, why you always have some nice sneakers? Ninety percent of the sneakers in my closet are gifts. So don't preachers at sneakers me. All right. And so. So I, I'm not rich. Another thing, and, and you might find this funny, and I know I poke fun at myself, but I, I'm not a tall person. No. I was just telling about somebody today, like they were watching us online for a couple weeks, and now they're here for the first time seeing me, and I'm like, hey, I'm a lot shorter in person, huh? <laughs> right? Like, I, I'm not tall. But, and you might think, well, what's the big deal about that? That is a fact. It is true. I'm not tall. I'm five foot seven. My wife likes to tell me I'm five foot six and three quarters, but you know what? Pastors like to round up. Right? So I'm five foot seven, and, and sometimes what I think is like no one's ever going to look up to me because I'm short. Again, a limiting mindset. A limiting mindset that we, we, we tell ourselves and we, we speak that as though that, that, that's it, that's permanent, you can't bypass that. They're limiting mindsets. What are your limiting mindsets? Even in ministry, um, I used to get frustrated and I used to get kind of jealous 
uh, w when I ran into, run into other pastors that are a little further along, along their careers. And, and I used to think, ah, you know, these guys, they came from a long legacy of pastors. Their grandfather was a pastor. Their father was a pastor. And so they were set up well. And, and I didn't come from a legacy of pastors. I came from a legacy of heathens. Come on, somebody. Anybody with me? Right? I came from a legacy of heathens. And so, so, so I, you, sometimes I see that as a limiting mindset. Well, I could be further on if I had better mentorship and, better, and a better legacy behind me. But they're all limiting mindsets because it does not stop the calling of God on my life. And whatever your limited mindsets are, you, you think about them. Some of you, you're holding on to things like maybe it's the same thing. Well, you know, like I, I, I didn't come from this type of legacy or, well, you don't understand. I, I'm struggling in all these ways and not everyone else is struggling. These ways. That's a limited mindset. It does not stop the calling of God on your life. It does not stop the purpose of God in your life. It doesn't limit the power of God in your life. It's a limited mindset that we need to surrender and give up because they're just excuses. And when we look at one limited mindset that we have is that we all sit here and say, well, I don't have much. I don't have a lot of time. I don't have a lot of abilities. I'm not that talented. Uh, I'm not this, I'm not that. And we focus on what we don't have. And listen to me, what you don't have does not limit the call of God in your life that you do have. Can I say that again? What you don't have does not limit the call of God that God has in your life, and, and that's what you do have. You do have the call of God in your life, and it doesn't limit that. God wants to do some amazing things, and, and so hopefully today, as we close this series out called Excuses, that we don't walk away thinking, yeah, that was a good series, but we walk away realizing that I have these limiting mindsets that I need to surrender, I need to give up, because God is not going to be limited in my life any longer. Here we go. Here's the cue. So you can sit there and say, well, I don't have much. I don't have a lot of time. My, my life is real busy. And I know everyone in the Northeast, your life's real busy. I don't have much. But I'm asking you, is that a good enough excuse to limit our ability to honor the Father and accomplish the will of God in our lives? Is it a good enough excuse? Because here with this widow, we see that she didn't have much. Most of us in this room, you have more than a penny. Come on. You have more than a penny. And she gave, she gave to the point where she got the attention of Jesus. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that amazing? She got Jesus' attention. She was what I would call, she was faithful with the little that she did have. Somewhere else in, in the Gospels, Jesus was teaching about a parable called the talents and, and how these gentlemen, this, it was just a story that he was teaching, but he was teaching a principle of the kingdom of heaven. And these people, they, they multiplied their talents. And, and one person, they didn't multiply their talents. And so, so he, he, didn't, he didn't find favor in the master. But here, in Matthew 25, 23, one of my favorite lines in the gospel, he said, he was he's telling the story. He said, then the master said to them, watch this, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't know about you, but at the end of my life, that's all I want to hear from God. Well done, my good and faithful servant. 
when it comes to being a father to your kids, well done, my good and faithful servant. When it comes to being a husband to my wife, well done, my good and faithful servant. A pastor to his church, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what I want in my life, and that's what I want for your life. For him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Watch this, though. Watch what, what follows. He says, you have been faithful over little. Little. I don't have much. You've been faithful over little, and I will now set you over much. And my favorite line, enter into the joy of your master. Enter into the joy of your master. The, the joy of the master wasn't found only when he gave him much. We think, where am I, Enneagram 3 people? Nobody likes that witchcraft. Okay, that's cool. But <laughs> I call it Christian horoscopes. That's what Enneagrams are. But I'm an Enneagram 3, so I'm an achiever. And I think as though when I achieve, that's when God loves me more. When I achieve, that's when people like me more. But at the end of the day, this person entered into the joy of the master because he was faithful with the little. He was faithful with the little. So if you're faithful with the little, then God will give you much. Most of us in this room, we're praying for much, but not realizing that the answer is not going to come from our prayers. The answer is going to come from our faithfulness with the small. Come on. You, some of us, we're praying for that lottery blessing. Where are my lottery people at, right? You're praying for that lottery blessing. And if you study, you know, lottery winners, you know, nine times out of ten, they actually, people who win the lottery eventually go bankrupt. Why? Why do they go bankrupt? Because they can't handle that size of a blessing. They can't handle that size of a blessing. Why do celebrities that get to the place where they have all the fame and the, and the fortune that they want, but they end up committing suicide because they can't handle that size of the blessing? Why? Because if you, aren't, if you don't know how to steward the little, why is God going to bless you with much? Because if you can't handle the much, it's not a blessing, it's a curse. And we're praying, we're praying for that lottery blessing. Let me hit the jackpot, God. Let me just, I promise you, let me go to Atlantic City and I promise you I'll tithe off of it. You ever made that deal with God? I promise you, I won't give you 10%, I'll give you 20%, God. Just help me, just help me. I had one dude at, at the last church I worked at, no lie. The altar was packed, people were getting prayed for healing, physical healing. This dude walked up and wanted me to pray for his lottery ticket. And I, I must have been like my early 20s, and, and I, I didn't have a basket to catch that in. I'm like, I have never in my life had anyone ask me to lay hands on their lottery ticket. Um, so I said, how about I just pray for God to give you discernment in this moment, right? He wasn't very happy with that, um, but I just couldn't, I didn't have the right, I just, my conviction was completely off. I was like, I can't, something wrong. There's 50 shades of wrong in this moment. I can't do it, right? But we're praying for that lottery blessing rather than saying, okay, God, you have given me something in my life. How can I be faithful with it? Because I want to enter into the joy of the master. And the joy of the master isn't found in the much. It's found in your faithfulness in the small. Y'all getting this today? It's found in your faithfulness. We tend to be so hyper-focused on what we don't have that we're blinded to the blessings we do have. And this is not a half, you know, the cup is half full, half empty type of sermon. I'm just saying we're so hyper-focused on that promotion that we didn't get yet. 
We're so hyper-focused on comparison with other people. We're so hyper-focused with what we don't have that we're so blind to the blessings that are right in front of your face every single day. And here again, this widow, she did not allow herself to live with the excuse of scarcity. Scarcity. You know what scarcity means? Scarcity means short supply. And can I just be pastor for a second? We're going to jump back into scripture, but can I just be pastor for a second? I think majority of the church, not everyone, but majority of the church, I think we've allowed scarcity to infect the way we live. And it all started in the beginning of the pandemic. You don't believe me? Ready? Toilet paper. It all started with toilet paper. Can I get an amen? Right? That's a scarcity mentality right there. We all thought, I don't know how long this pandemic is, Forget the beans, forget the canned food, toilet paper, right? And, and, and many of us, we, when we went to the store, we would see there was no toilet paper on the shelves because we had this scarcity mentality. We're going to be in short supply. And I think because of that now, even pivoting out of a pandemic, we're still scarce. We're scarce with our time. We're, we're, we're scarce with with. Let's be honest, all right? Old school people know what I'm talking about. We're scared. We're scarce with our time, our talent, and our treasures. I got to keep it because I don't know when the next bad thing's going to happen, right? And, and, and listen, I'm not asking you to go into debt. I'm not asking you. This is not a giving message. This is a heart message. And I think at times we're so scarce and we're like, well, I can't, I can't give up my time for this person because I, I need to hoard my time. It's in short supply. I, I have to manage it well and I have to do this one. I have to do this well. And it's robbing us from having a heart of generosity. Are you living with this scarcity mentality? So what can we learn? I don't believe that, that anything in Scripture is there by an accident. What can we learn from this widow? Well, how does this, t- this story teach us about the excuse of scarcity. Number one, it's this. God sees differently. God sees differently. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that Jesus watched the people putting money in the offering box. He saw her differently. Now, I don't suggest that you sit back during a three-minute countdown and watch people put money in the offering box. Only Jesus could get away with that. But he was watching and he observed her and he saw her differently. Different, he he saw her differently than than, than the people who gave large sums, than the rich people. He saw her differently. And I think at times we don't understand and we don't comprehend that God sees people differently. Because what do we do? We prioritize different sets of eyes in our lives. Am I right or wrong? We prioritize, well, how is this going to look to my parents? How's this going to look to my spouse? How's this going to look to my kids? How is this going to look to my coworkers, right? How is this going to look? We prioritize a different set of eyes rather than prioritizing the eyes of God. Back in the 90s, we used to say, we're in an audience of one. And I know Carson Wentz stole that, but that was the 90s first, Carson. We're my depressed Eagles fans. So I'm like, why you got to mention Carson Wentz? We don't, my wife's like, we don't need him. <laughs> That's a bitter Eagles fan. You hear that? Pray for her. <laughs> but, 
but, but we're in an audience of one, not an audience of many. And I think so many times we don't do things for the Lord, we do things for the likes. Because we prioritize the wrong sets of eyes. How is this going to look to my Father? How is this going to look to my God? We need to pay attention to, the way, to, to how we see ourselves and how we see people. Because if we're not seeing ourselves or people through the eyes of God, then we're missing out because God sees different. He sees differently. We disqualify people. We disqualify people on how they look. Last week, I wasn't here because I was with my son. Uh, he had a basketball tournament in Virginia, and I met this African lady. And um, it took us a solid, no lie, you could ask Chase this. It took us a solid 15 minutes to convince this lady that I was a pastor. Right? She's like, no, for real, what do you do? And I'm like, no, I'm telling you, I'm a pastor. Literally 15 minutes, and then she's like, I'm not gonna talk to you. Then she starts talking to Chase. She goes, Chase, is he a pastor? And he had the opportunity to throw me under the bus. I'm like, nah, he's like a DJ or something. I don't know what he does on the weekend. But he's like, no, I'm a pastor's kid, and he's a pastor. She did not have a box to fit me in, because naturally, let's be honest, humans, we. We, we, we judge people on how they look, right? You do. You judge people on how they look. And, and so she saw the tattoos and she saw the earrings and she saw the ball. And, and then I, we began to realize that her father was a pastor and, and he was a very conservative pastor. And so he always wore suits and shirts and ties and, and the most casual he was ever in. He was in a polo shirt and some docker pants. And, and, and so as she saw me in just shorts and a T-shirt, enjoying my son's basketball game, she didn't understand that I was still called for ministry. And I know that's a funny example, but I think at times we do, we do, listen, I know I love our church. We're very uh, multi-ethnic and and multi-generational. Can we give it up for that? I do love our church. And, And so we don't discriminate that way, but I do believe we do still spiritually discriminate people. Hello? Spiritual discrimination. You see someone and, and, and if they're not doing the same things you're doing, if they're not having the attitude that you have, we automatically assume that something's not right or something's off. Or the opposite, when we, someone comes in and they're smiling, glory to God, hallelujah, praise Jesus, we think that everything is great and wonderful and we spiritually discriminate. But God sees differently. But God sees differently. And, he, and, and in our church specifically, we're trying to push community more than ever before. And the reason that we have collectives is because we realized that during the pandemic, a lot of people lost connection. People stopped attending church because they lost an hour and a half a week when we couldn't have church on Sunday. Lost an hour and a half a week, therefore you lost relationships. Does that make sense to you? Because it doesn't make sense to me. That community is community. Relationships are relationships. If I lose an hour and a half with someone and the whole relationship goes to pits, that is not a real relationship. And the kingdom of God is about family. The kingdom of God is about friendships and relationships. And so because we have a high value in community, we got to understand that we have to start really seeing people the way God sees people. Because if not, we, we, we introduce this thing that really messes up a community, and it's the thing called comparison. And our society has enough comparison. 
And write this down. Comparison is the cancer of community. It's the cancer of community. And I believe it's been the cancer of the church. Because all because one person struggles in one thing, all because they don't sin the same way you sin, doesn't make them less than you. Doesn't make them less than you. Because we're all human and we all fall short of the glory of God. And God sees differently. Think about it. What, what should have got Jesus' attention, what should have got his attention, were the rich people giving large sums. He said this, they gave large sums. They didn't get his attention. This widow did. This widow did. Because God sees differently. The second thing, God counts differently. God counts differently. What the scripture says is because he said that she gave more. She gave more than the rich people. God, listen, Jesus, I know you're a carpenter, right? You're not a math teacher, so let me break it down for you. Those, those two coins, they equal one penny. One penny. One Abe Lincoln. That's it. Pastor Mike didn't have U.S. coins back then. I know. But the Bible says she gave one penny. Two coins that equal one penny. And yet Jesus said she gave more. God counts differently. He counts differently. His math is completely different. We actually think that God compares us like we compare ourselves. But thank God, not only does he sees differently, he counts differently. The math of the kingdom of God is phenomenal. It's crazy. It's, it's a math of multiplication. It's a math of the heart. It is not about equal giving. It's about greater worship. Can I say that again? It is not about equal giving. It's about greater worship. That's what it's all about. Because then what else does it say? It says that they gave out of what? The abundance of what they had. That's how they gave. But she gave out of her poverty. What's more, people? Come on, common math. What's more, poverty or abundance? Now you're saying poverty, but, but before this morning, you would have said abundance. Of course it is abundance. But God counts differently. And so when we see how the kingdom of God actually works even in our church, that, that the math of, of kingdom, the math of collaboration is phenomenal. The math of collaboration will always equal multiplication, bars. Will always equal multiplication. So you might, I can, you give me a group that maybe they're not as talented. Maybe they're not as good looking. Maybe, and I'm just talking about myself right now. You give me a group of people that come together with the little that they have, they can make a huge impact for the kingdom because that is the math of the kingdom of God. That is the math of the kingdom of God. Our Bible says in the Old Testament, one can put a thousand to flight, and watch this, and two could put 10,000 to flight. It is the math of the kingdom of God. God counts differently. He doesn't count like human beings. He counts differently. So if he sees differently, and then he counts differently, Number three, I should respond differently. I should respond differently. Listen to the way she responds. She said, but she gave out of her poverty and has put in everything she had. 
She went all in. She went all in. I want to ask you, church, what, what does it look like? What would fervent look like? I was going to say if we all went all in, but let's personalize it. What would fervent look like if you personally went all in? What does that mean? That means you went all in into your spiritual walk, man. Even though you don't like reading scripture, you're going to start reading scripture. Not reading scripture so you could check a box, reading scripture so you could know who Jesus is more in your life. All in meaning that I'm, I'm committed to falling in love with Jesus and falling in love with the way. I'm committed to doing what he asked me to do, and I'm going all in with loving my neighbor. We, no longer do we, I love this, that sometimes churches like, go make disciples, go make disciples, go make disciples. Listen to me. It doesn't work. You can't make disciples until you love them. We're trying to disciple people we don't love. Oh, we could get quiet. I'll embrace this quietness. I'm not even going to pick up my bottle. Oh. <laughs> trying, to, trying to disciple people we don't love. But what would it look like, church, if you personally went all in? Not going through the motions and the rituals. Everyone's that you're longing for church to come back. I don't even know what that means anymore. If I'm honest with you, I don't want us to go back to pre-COVID fervent church. I don't. I want disciples of Jesus to go all in, to go all in, to give everything that we have. And again, I'm not asking you to give to the point where you go into poverty. I'm asking you to do what she did, and she gave out of her poverty. Hello? In other words, she gave out of what she had, and she did not hold to the excuse that I don't have much. I'm talking about that kind of love that, that you give up the last slice of pizza love. Come on, where are my people at? Come on. In our house, we do not share food, all right? And especially, we do not share dessert. Where are my married couples? You share dessert, all right? But I'm talking about like, like sharing that last slice of pizza love. You know what I'm talking about. Like back in the day when you were in your honeymoon period, go ahead, baby, you can have it. Someone's like, no. <laughs> Not even in a, but that's the type of love I'm talking about. That last slice type of love. There was a rapper named Drake. He goes, you could have my heart. You, we could share it like the last slice. No sharing. You could have the whole entire slice. It's my last slice, but you can have it. You can have it. And, and I think that's the kind of love that Jesus requires of us. Did I say require? Yes, requires. We could, you could talk about how much Bible you read. You could talk about how much money you give. When he was asked, what are the greatest commandments? What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That last slice love. That's how we should respond to the fact that he sees us differently. He doesn't see this Broke down, five foot, six and three quarters, bald head, one-handed <laughs> preacher up here. He doesn't see that. He sees a man of God attempting to present his words to his people. He sees differently. He counts differently. No, I don't have much, but everything I do have, God, I'm going to leverage it for your glory. 
And because he sees differently, because he counts differently, I need to respond differently. I need to respond differently to the people around me because as I start seeing myself differently the way God sees me, I start seeing people differently. My heart isn't filled with frustration. It starts being filled up with compassion because I'm seeing differently, I'm counting differently, and I'm responding differently. Your your patience tank is going to be less empty if you give up the excuse of scarcity and start realizing all the blessings you do actually have. And even if you still quantify it as I don't have much, then give that penny over to God and watch what he could do. What are you holding on to today? What are you holding on to? Let's all stand up and... um, Maybe some of us here today, we're waiting to give to God until we get our extra, right? Worship's been a big thing right now, and, and I'll worship God when I feel like it. That's, that's giving out of your extra. That's giving out of your abundance, right? I'll, I'll give, you know, once, you know, my savings account is at a certain spot, right? And we're not intentional with our giving. Or some of us, let's be honest, we haven't given at all for a really long time because we have this scarcity mentality. And again, this is not a giving message, it's a heart message. And our scarcity, because it becomes an excuse, it's actually produced laziness and, and apathy in our worship, in our giving, in our, in our abilities to love our neighbor. It's, it's limited us in a lot of ways. But again, what would it look like if we didn't just raise our hands? Like, I, don't, I think it's less about raising your hands, and it's more about activating your feet to actually walk with Jesus, to actually do what God has called us to do, and to walk like Jesus. There's an old joke. I'm going to mess up the serious moment, but if you, if you eat like Jesus but don't walk like Jesus, you will look like Buddha. Write that down. <laughs> but we're called to walk like Jesus. And so my challenge for us today is that I'm going to pray for us, but I'm going to pray um, for us to surrender. We're not, no longer going to wait for the extra. Listen, you will never have extra time. You, you will never have, you know, it, it's like when somebody says, you know, when are you ready to have kids? You're never ready. Never. <laughs> ready to get married. You're never ready to get married. But there's a point where you have to recognize I got to leverage what I have. I got to leverage what I have to live my best life. And your best life is found in the arms of Jesus. So as the worship team comes up, I want to pray for us this morning. So every head bowed and every eyes because I'm going to pray for us. So Father in heaven, we ask you right now to help us recognize and identify that scarcity mindset and the excuse of scarcity in our lives, where we're holding back. And all the excuses, the excuse of our personality, the excuse of, of our our or any limitation and limiting mindsets, and now today the excuse of scarcity, scarcity, God, that we surrender it to you. And even though those things are facts, they don't trump your truth. And your truth is, for such a time as this, you called us to be your church, your plan A, to reach those who have yet to experience your love. So, Father, I ask you right now to... Equip us, empower us, 
to give up our excuses and to truly grow in 2022. That's been our, our heart's cry, that's been our prayer, that's been our desire. So we surrender it. We don't give out of our extra. Let us worship even with the little bit that we have. And we believe in your word. Your word says it clearly. If we are faithful with the little, you will set us over much. God, you want more for us. You want more for us. So we take the little that we have and we exchange it for your more. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's sing together.